for you. That's okay. Yes, sir. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, I, don't, yeah, I don't think we got a handout. Where's your handout? So uh, right here, back. you can I'll just use that. Okay. I've got that on there. It's sticking up on I stole it. Oh, all right. I just changed it. Well, that's fine, man. <laughs> I asked him. I he said it was okay. <laughs> that's what I do. I steal everything. So just so you guys know, I don't. I don't purport to know anything, you know. But I've been around a lot of good teachers, so I just try to glean what I can. So anyway, so today we're going to be looking at a character study uh, of Jeremiah. So. In the time that we have left, we're going, we're going to take a look at that. And um, as we go through this, I mean, I, I think Steve asked me to do this because it, re- it really made me dig. I mean, Jeremiah has always been um, kind of a hero of mine and for, for a number of reasons. Um, especially uh, one of the verses out of Jeremiah that God gave me that spoke directly to me out of his word, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, Jeremiah is, is a man of character. And, you know, what is really wild is that for us as human beings, and especially with our, with our sin nature, we seek after... Uh, reputation, right? But God wants to develop character within us. So as we look at this today and talk about Jeremiah and his character in this character study, I want us to think and look at some of the characteristics that God has placed within each and every one of us with the Holy Spirit and what he's called us to do. Because in order to do that, he has to develop our character. And so we're going to we're going to try to look at this and look at it uh, from a historical and a doctrinal and also an inspirational approach so that we can make it really personal and see how it applies to each and every one of us. So, if I can, oh, it's facial recognition now. Oh, I didn't have, I got it turned down, so. Okay, yeah, that's kind of hard to see up here. I think I'll just lay it down like that. Yeah, ooh, now it's. Okay, so. Jeremiah, the book is uh, titled The Book of Stony Ground. So we're going to go with that because what is that picture? Do you guys remember what stony ground pictures for each and every one of us in this day and age? And back then also. Little to no harvest. Pardon me? Little to no harvest. Little to no harvest, yeah. Yeah. What else does stony ground depict? Our hearts, right? Yeah, because God works in our hearts. So to develop that character that he needs to develop within each and every one of us, he needs some soft soil so we can plant the seeds so that we can he can grow a harvest within us and from us, around us, and through us, right? Through Jesus Christ. So, so Jeremiah, um, I want to I want to look at this, and and I I took a few things from what Jim did when he did the overview on Jeremiah. What was that last month? A couple months ago. Jeremiah. Well, it's been a couple years ago. Oh, I, the well, hand I up. Babylon. Oh, uh, you did Babylon. Yeah. Okay, but you had a lot of. You had a lot of overview stuff in yeah, there. I so. Jeremiah a couple years ago. Okay. So I like that he he used two verses to preface this, and I think for us to really get a handle on what what we can in Jeremiah as, as well as all of the Old Testament, we need to know what these two verses in the New Testament say because the Old Testament is what, Jim? It's 
it's what do you mean those verses? No, the Old Testament is it's already concealed. Oh, concealed in the new, yeah. Yeah, and the, and in the New Testament it's revealed. Right? I remember you saying that. And that's very true. So we need the New Testament. God gives us the New Testament after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to reveal pictures and types in the Old Testament. So these two verses, we've got to take one in one hand and one in the other. So Romans 15.4, who wants to read that? And somebody else get 1 Corinthians 10.11. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written in our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Right. So so one of the biggest things that it tells us is that these things that were written aforetime, what does that mean? Long time ago. Long time ago. Like before Christ, right? Old Testament times, right? A time. So everything in the Old Testament is written for our learning and our admonition that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope, right? So we have to, we have to understand what these pictures and types are. And 1 Corinthians 10.11, who wants to read that? Nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists. No, no, 1 Corinthians 10 11. 1 Corinthians 10 11. 10 11. Ah! Got it. Now all these things happened unto them, for example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Right. They are written for our. It's actually. It says examples, okay? All these things in the Old Testament, it's talking about the children of Israel and their wanderings, and it lists all these sins of the flesh that they went through that God wants to warn us and show us an example so that we don't fall into that same temptation and sin. And it says they were written for our example. And what's an example? It's an instruction. It's it's a it's an external picture that we can see, right? Mm-hmm. That's an example. What's an insample in verse eleven? Internal. It's it's character. an internal, yeah, that develops our character if we heed its warning. So see, the, the book of Jeremiah, like Steve has said many times, and Jim said too, is really a picture of what we're going through right here today in America. I mean, it's stony ground and people have stony hearts. And we need to know how to take all those physical, external examples and learn from those and let God begin to soften our heart by being obedient to his word so that he can forge character within us. Okay? So, so Jeremiah was... Uh, um, Jeremiah's life as a prophet was never easy. A prophet's life's never an easy one, but Jeremiah... He had especially a rough time, as we're going to see today. He's known as the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah, right? You all know about that. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And Jim went over that, I think, in his in his um, overview. And... Um, and right before Judah ultimately fell to Babylon and was led away into captivity. So he was a prophet for about 40 years, as we're going to see. A pretty long time, and it reigned over five kings. Um, so God sent Jeremiah to a crumbling nation to warn their impending demise. And it was a warning that they didn't heed, Right. So hopefully we learn from that. We learn to heed his warning and from all the examples that God is showing us so we can see the in samples of how to think and how to act 
and how to feel about these things. Uh, one of the most often quoted verses is one of my favorites and many, many others too. And it offers many people hope uh, for believers throughout the centuries. And that, that verse is Jeremiah 29 11. And uh, this verse is especially important to me because God spoke this verse to me when I was, I felt much like Jeremiah. I, w- I was locked up. I was, I was in jail and I was broken. I didn't know how I could go on. And I didn't even have a Bible, but I had it in me. And God spoke, I didn't even know where it was. I just, I heard this voice of God, you know, not audible, but within me, inside, speak this verse to me. And I'm going to read all three verses because they all three really go together for what we're trying to learn from Jeremiah. But he spoke this verse, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And, I mean, he spoke that to me a couple times, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, I thought my life was over. I was like, God, how can I go on? I just want to give up. Just, just kill me. You know, I, I mean, I was, I was at my wits end and I heard this voice and I'm like, wow, you know, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now I knew, I knew that that wasn't my voice. I wasn't thinking anything along that lines. I was just, oh, it's over. It's all negative. It's, you know, how can I go on? And this voice comes and says that I knew it was God. You know, I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking this to me. And it was powerful. And I think many people have heard that voice. And I'm I'm pretty sure that each of you in this room has heard that voice, that voice of the Holy Ghost within you. If you're saved, you hear it, that voice of inspiration that guides you and leads you. And he goes on and he tells us then what should happen if you heed his voice. He says, Then you shall call upon me as I began to do, and you shall go and pray unto me as I began to do. And here's the wonderful promise. I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me, and you shall find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. That was the problem. I was lost. I didn't know how to find my way back to God. I thought he was through with me. I thought, he, you know, but he told me the problem. And that's all of our problems. We need to seek him with all our heart, right? I mean, the problem with most of us is we compromise. And compromise, you know what that leads to? Bad character. Right, bad decisions, which lead to more compromise, lies, excuses, bad character. Right? God wants to give us something that we can cling on to. That's why Jesus is known as the Rock, and uh, He's the Rock of our salvation. So, who was this weeping prophet? in a dying nation who also brought such words of comfort and promise. His name was Jeremiah and his name is is known I mean his name is defined as um, and you all know that names are very important in the Bible because that's how God speaks to us also right? It's whom Jehovah has appointed I think Jim, I think you had is exalted, but the, you know sometimes there's several several words, but um, the aspect of being appointed is what I want to look at because that's what uh, the Strongs, when I looked it up, said. And um, of course we are, you know, Jehovah is exalted in us when we start following him, start believing in him, start calling upon him like Jeremiah said, and start searching and seeking for him with our whole heart. Um, But he wants to appoint us to something. 
a higher purpose that's so much bigger than ourselves. And that's what we've got to wrap our mind around. Jeremiah, it it seemed to me, never lost sight of that. I mean, as we're going to see, Jeremiah, he suffered so many things from his kins, from his kinsmen, from his family, from everyone around him. They didn't want to hear that. They thought he was a, just a, a prophet of doom, you know? Yeah. And they, they got mad. I mean, they they wanted to kill him. They threw him in jail. They threw him in a pit. They did many things to him. But Jeremiah never lost sight of God's word and God's message. And that's the thing that you and I can really grab onto to, to gain that that hope that comes from the patience and the comfort of the scriptures. So I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for how you got a hold of people like Jeremiah, this weeping prophet, and all the words that you wrote, that you gave to him, that you inspired him um, to pin down in the book, um, even though he didn't write this, uh, Baruch wrote it, but you gave him the inspired word of coming to him and speaking to him, Lord, and and you do the same thing for each and every one of us. If we'll just heed your warnings and heed your word and begin to seek you with our whole heart. So, Lord, I pray in this last time where... Many people are falling away and have stony hearts. I pray that you would make all of our hearts uh, supple. You'd make them soft. And you'd make the ground very, very tender so that you can plant your seeds of promise and hope and deliverance to each and every one of us. You're a great God. And Lord, we we exalt you today. And we ask you to teach us uh, many wondrous things out of your word today that we can apply to our lives. And we'll give all the glory to your son, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Jeremiah was a prophet from the 13th year of the King Josiah, uh, King of Judah, in about 626 B.C. Now, Josiah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the greatest with history, so I'll revert back to Steve and Jim. Now, Josiah, he was a bad king or a good king? A good king. He was a boy king. He's a boy king. Started out very young. Started out young. He's one that found the... Uh, the, they found the law in the wall that had been blown oh, over. Right, right. They broke it out, and then he instituted reform. Right. Very good. They started following the word again. Again. All right. All right. So he was good king. He was a boy king, and then things began to turn bad. I think uh, I forget how many how many years was Josiah. Do you remember? I don't know. I might mention one more thing. Dennis Bell named his son Josiah after right. that king because he was such a good guy. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Right. And then we see also Josiah, uh, after Josiah was Jehoahaz, and he, Jehoahaz is also known as this Shalom that you were talking about the other right, night. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I saw. So I hoped it was correct. But... Um, he if 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 that shows up, I mean, th- did that show up in Jeremiah Shalom? Shalom does, but yeah. Jehoahaz does. Jehoahaz, okay. Well, you might have to find that some other place. I'm not really sure, but that's that's his official name, and he's also known as Shalom. And then after Jehoahaz is Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim, his after him was Jehoiachin, which um, they're two different people. They sound very similar. And then after him was Zedekiah. And I think all three of these were sons of Josiah, right? Yeah, they were all puppet kings put in. Yeah. By, they were his sons. I think one of them might have been grandson. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, two of them were sons. Okay. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, well, it says sons, and sometimes when it says yeah. sons, you don't know. It could be grandson, so I wasn't sure. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, Jeremiah was born in Anathoth in 650 B.C. Um, so, Anathoth. Does anybody know what that name means? I left you some space there. I didn't put a line, so but you can write it in. Anathoth means, does anybody know? Jim's got some candy bars, if you know this. Oh, you've got really good history. You'll probably get into it with that. You don't know. Uh, Anathoth means answer to prayers. Right? Kind of like Jeremiah 29.13. Or 29.12. You know, you seek me and you shall find me. You, You will call on me. Then shall you call on me and go and pray, and I will hearken unto you. Right? So it's an answer to prayers. And we all need answers to our prayers, don't we? Man, thank God that he answers our prayers. Because if he didn't answer our prayers... We'd, we'd be destined for hell, right? We'd be in a bad shape. Much much worse than Jeremiah. But he answered Jeremiah's prayers. Or Jeremiah couldn't have been such a solid character for the Lord despite everything that he faced. So he died in 570 B.C. in Egypt. And what does Egypt stand for in the Bible? What is Egypt a type of? Does anybody know? Type of the world. Type of the world. Yeah, very good. You get a candy bar. Jim, you have to give her a candy bar. Yeah, really. (laughs) It's a type of the world, right? And the thing about this is, is when he died, he actually was buried in Egypt. Is that right? He was buried in Egypt and like they buried him like a donkey. Uh, is what I heard. Like it was a shallow grave or something. Was one of the kings. Was it one of the kings? Sure. I might have that. Well, I know they think Jeremiah took the ark with him to Egypt. Oh, wow. Oh. That's, wow. That's tradition. That's not wow. Wow. Indiana Jones stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, so he basically was run out of town <laughs> after they tried to kill him and tried to put him in prison and threw him in a pit. So his occupation was a prophet and you guys does anybody remember where he was a prophet to or from mm, the southern kingdom of judah right southern kingdom of judah very good candy bar. all right candy bar okay and his parents his parents his father was hilkiah and hilkiah was a levite he was a priest Okay, so he comes from the priestly line, but he was called as a prophet. And you know the difference between a prophet and a priest, right? Everybody know that, the difference? Okay. So, yeah, his dad was a priest. And um, so he was used to that, but then God called him at a young age probably I don't know he was a teenager nobody knows it doesn't really say but he was young mm-hmm. so what is the difference between a prophet and a priest Pat? the difference between a prophet and a priest is a prophet has a special calling by God to be to proclaim God's words like Jeremiah like Isaiah to the nation that he was sent to 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 warn them and to also give them future hope. And a priest, you know, a, a priest is uh, the Levites were called by God, that specific, specific group that was handed down throughout the Levite family to conduct the order of the temple and conduct all the sacrifices and the, and the rituals that actually that they had to perform. And we don't perform rituals nowadays, but what were those rituals for? Does anybody know? Yeah. Right. They sacrificed the lamb, as uh, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right. And what what do those point to, though? Father God. 
sacrifice of Christ dying for our yeah. sins. All of those all of those rites, rituals, though even the articles, they picture something in Jesus Christ that we all that it, we all need, that he does for us as our high priest. So is is that is that good? Yeah, I think we know. Um, so most of what we know about Jeremiah comes from the book that bears his name. And Jeremiah was born in a priestly family, Anathoth, three miles from Jerusalem. It was actually they said that he could, when he was a child or younger, he could look out from the hillside in Anathoth and see up into Jerusalem because it was that close. He could see the walls of Jerusalem. So, what I mean, you might think, well, okay, that's cool. But Jerusalem, the temple, that was a powerful thing, especially to a Jew. That's Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple, they say that that was the greatest of the seven wonders of the world. That when invading armies came over the hill and they saw that thing setting up on that high hill, it, and all the gold that overlaid the temple, the sun shining down on it. I don't know if you've ever seen anything where, like a, a building, they have one downtown in in Kansas City that has gold wrapped around the archways and when the sun's shining, it's like blinding. It's, it's magnificent. But this was the whole temple. You know, it's powerful. So it's an amazing thing to see. So uh, he was... He was called, as we said, in the 13th year of Josiah, and he served for around 40 years. And God's, or Jeremiah spoke to God uh, for God to the people. Okay? Um, man, I just... There's no in the capital. I just know you know, was he the only child? I do not know. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. He had a great example. His dad was. I had my finger on something, I think. I just took a bunch of notes out. Can I get, well, I'm not going to be able to go through all of this anyway, but wow. Yeah, I need to get my... Can I get a copy of my notes? Yeah, I'll get, I'll get one. Okay, thank you. You see, it, it took out all that can stuff. Just, just hit that little return button. Well, let me, let me try this. Let me try that. Okay, so... Where am I? Where am I? Let's see. There we are. So what does what does the Bible say about oh, I did that? So if you flip page two. page two, if you flip it over, now if you weren't here earlier, the the copies got ran off on the back side, they're upside down, so you just flip it over like that. Not in another language. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Same language, just very hard to understand. Um Unless you're dyslexic, I guess. So, though Jeremiah's birth date isn't exactly clear, God received he received God's call at a young age, probably as a teenager, as we as we were looking at um, Jeremiah one six. Does anybody want to read that? And before you read it, I want to talk just real quick about the very first two verses when Jeremiah actually received the call. Now, I talked about when God spoke to me, and God speaks to all of us, but sometimes we've got to have our spiritual ears on, so to speak, right? We've got to be listening. We've got to be seeking. We've got to be looking, and Jeremiah definitely was. And in verse 1 and 2, it says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin. So it says, the words of Jeremiah. These are the words of Jeremiah. And then in verse 2, it says, to whom the word of the Lord 
came in these days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. So there it tells us. But it said in in verse 1, it says the words of Jeremiah. And in verse 2, it says these, these are to whom the word of the Lord came. So is it the word of the Lord or is it the words of Jeremiah? Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. It's both. It's both. And and that's really important for us to get that because God's word has to come in and and, and take residence in our hearts, so to speak. And once we once we begin to hear that voice and once we begin to follow him and taste and see that the Lord is good, it begins to become our words and we become part of him just like he's part of us. And it's that paradox of the Christian life. We're in Christ and Christ is in us, right? That's hard to understand because we look at the externals so much in life. But God, we do spiritually. When we listen, obey, we just become one. Right, and spiritually, that's exactly what happens at salvation. But throughout our life, that sanctification process, we have to, we have to become one, and it takes a lifetime for to work out. And it's it's not completed until the very end. But yes, the the word of the Lord has to become ours. I just wanted to point that out. But um, in verse 6, does somebody want to read that? Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, <laughs> I cannot speak, for I am a child. I am a child, right? I mean... Isn't that, doesn't that seem to be the reigning theme when God speaks to a prophet like Moses or Jeremiah or Isaiah? What's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I, I can't speak. I, I like that. He's like, ah. As I could think I'd be like, ah, I can't speak. You know, I'm all choked up. I mean, God's word, it's heavy, right? It's, it's very weighty matter. The things that God calls us, he appoints us to do, to take the gospel. Because there's a lot of people out there just like us that are dying and going to hell that are miserable, that are depressed, that are lost without Christ, right? And not only a lot, it's it's all people unless they've unless they've turned to him and found him. So, yeah, um he began he began proclaiming God's messages and continued to do so through much trial and peril, as we're going to look at today. Um, after several years, Jeremiah's family turned against him and even plotted to kill him. And we can't look up all these verses. I'll read verse 1-8, and then it, um, if somebody wants to read 12-6, if you could turn and read 12-6, that would be great. This is this is a verse that really resonates with Steve and I and, and Jim too, I'm sure. Um, but Steve and I have talked about this a lot. Um, it says what God spoke to Jeremiah when he said that, Oh Lord God, I cannot speak. You know, I'm a child. God said, Don't say don't say that. Don't say I'm a child. He's like, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna put my words in your mouth. And I'm going to give you my power. And he said, be not afraid of their faces. It's really important for us because a lot of times, I mean, we can all attest getting up in front of people, especially in the beginning and trying to give God's word, those weighty matters. And you look at people's faces and sometimes maybe and there's been days when I've just not been in, you know, I'm just not there and I've got other things on my mind. I'm not maybe in the spirit. And you look at people's faces and they're just like blank stares. <laughs> and it's like this horror comes over you, you know, it's like, am I, am I, do they even understand what I'm saying? Pam? Sometimes it's not just their appearance too, it's their authority. We see 
Right. Yes. And it goes back to that point that God wants to build character in it. But there, there's two things. Man seeks after, in our sin nature, in ourself, we seek after reputation. Right? And God doesn't want us to seek after a reputation. You know, Jeremiah had no good reputation. There was somebody else that was made of no reputation. You remember what his name was? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it's... uh, Good, good job. Philippians, I think it's 2, 7, maybe, somewhere in there. He made himself with no reputation. Because he wants us to see that God's character that he wants to form within us is is paramount. It's it should reign supreme. Um, did somebody have twelve six? Jeremiah twelve six? You didn't read that? Oh yeah, you did. Sorry, my bad. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, twelve six. For even thy brethren and the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee. Yea, they have called a multitude after thee. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. Right. Oh. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, so even his own family. Yeah. Um, and over the years, he was wiped. He was whipped. Wiped. He was whipped and put in the stocks. Jeremiah twenty, verse one through three. Somebody want to read that? Yeah. Now, Fashley, the son of Emma, the priest, who was also chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Fashley smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in a spot that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Fashley brought forth Jeremiah out of the spot. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Fashley, but Megormishabib. Megor Misabib. Do you know what that means, Connie? Prison, terror, terror, terror. Yeah, it's yeah, it, very good. It's it's surrounded by fear. Remember, God told him, "Do not fear their faces." Don't. I think He told someone else. I can't remember who it is now. Um, don't fear what man can do to you. Right. Jesus said that. Right. Don't fear what man can do to you, but fear what God, who's got the power. You know, the power to throw your body and your soul in, in hell. So we're to, we're to not be seeking reputation in people's, people's approval. We do that, though. It's hard because we're conditioned, especially in this society and in this world, to seek people's approval. But... There's only one person that we have to ultimately please, and that's God. And if we please God, we'll please most people unless you're giving them the message like of warning that they don't want to hear. <laughs> right? Right. So, um, and he was threatened by the king in Jeremiah 36, 26. Anybody? I'll read that. But the king commanded Jeremiah, the son of Hamalek, and Saraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to take Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet. Now, Baruch was the one that wrote this book, okay? Uh, he penned the words it actually says in verse 18 of this chapter. Baruch answered them and pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and he wrote them with ink in the book. He's talking about, he did the inscripturation, right? He wrote it down, the book of Jeremiah. He was Jeremiah's scribe. Jeremiah got the inspiration, the exact words from God, 
and Baruch wrote it down. He pinned it down. He followed him around everywhere. Yeah. You think he got whipped with him? Well, that's what it's saying right here. I think he said, "But the king commanded." Uh, uh, I read all that, and the son of Abdiel to take Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, both of them together. But the Lord hid them. But wherever he was, Baruch was. You know, it, it reminds me of of Peter. You know, when he denied Christ. Oh, I'll go with you to the death, right? Well, Baruch. I mean, I mean, I don't know if he. I'm. I'm not really sure now that that this point comes up. But I don't know if he went down with him into Egypt or if he just probably stayed around. Yeah. Well, he went to jail with him. Yeah. When he bought the land. Right. Sounds like they were two peas in a pod. They were kind of like we, uh, kind of like us and Jesus. Kind of like you and me, Pat. Right, you and me, Ed. <laughs> we need to be together, right? Uh, in everything, in everything we say, and everything we think, and everything we do, because our life is not our own, right? Just like Jeremiah's life wasn't his own. Um, so perhaps the worst of all I'm going to skip down to the last one is Jeremiah was alone and wasn't allowed to marry in verse 16 too, and his family abandoned him and the people turned against him and didn't believe him right he was alone with the knowledge of the horrors that were about to come on Judah right but he wasn't married and uh, you know if you flip over to the back because I probably won't be able to go through all of these we're getting close on time but what, what do we go to quarter after quarter after um, if you skip over Jim had this chart of the characteristics of Jeremiah and Jesus and where is that they weren't married either one. Oh, second one. Okay. Yeah, uh, both were never married, but I added you in this equation, right? Because every prophet, especially like Jeremiah, Moses, they're pictures of Christ in certain ways, certain characteristics. And these are the characteristics that Jim listed, but, um, but you know, now... Now, whether you're married or you're not married, I'm not married, but I'm married to Christ. And that's the way we need to view it. Because even if you're married, that's what reigns supreme. You're married to Christ before you're married, you know, to Pam, Emmett, right? And we we have to realize that. You're married, you know, Jim, Sherry, you're married to Christ first, right? And Ephesians 5, 25 and 27 gives us this awesome picture of that. Um, Does somebody want to read it? Steve, you can read it. You're married. All right. Ephesians 5. Galatians, Ephesians. Here it says, 25. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Angie. Uh-oh. Do you do you think <laughs> this is spur of the moment? I hope I don't get in trouble. Do you think that Steve really believes that? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do too. I do too. I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to say that? You know what? I'm married to Christ before anything else. That's awesome. So, would be to God that we all are. We all see ourselves that way. Now, um, what did I... Okay. So, what did Jeremiah do, and how does this apply to you? We're going to look at in the last few minutes here. 
Um, Jeremiah spent 40 years, as we said, delivering God's message to Judah. His early messages focused on condemning false worship and social injustice uh, with calls to repentance. Um, He proclaimed a coming foe, and after reforms under Josiah, he urged the people to adhere to the covenant. It's called the covenant in Jeremiah 11. We're not going to read the whole chapter. But he continually urged focusing on the... Now listen to this. He... In this chapter, he continually urged people focusing to focus on the inner spirit and the right actions rather than the external religious practices. Amen. Isn't that a message for today? Yeah. It is. I mean, that's what that's what Paul tells us to do. I mean, many times. I mean, religion. Oh, I already read that. Yeah. Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, it's not a religion. I mean, I guess it is, but it's not about religious activities, right? Yeah, or rituals, like externals. It's about a relationship, an intimate relationship with each and every one of us personally to Jesus Christ. Right? And each one of us, God wants to speak to us. And He actually tells us this. The counterpart to Jeremiah 29 11 is in the New Testament in 2 Timothy 3 16. Somebody want to read that? It's right there on your page. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Right. All good works. Truly furnish. Right? So God wants to inspire each and every one of us. Right? And it it it's a message of gloom and doom if we don't heed its warning. Right? It's a message of gloom and doom if we don't respond to it. But God tells us the way he intended it. He says it is profitable for doctrine. What's doctrine? Teaching. Teaching. It's to teach us something, right? It's for our learning, right? And it's it uh, is profitable for reproof. Number two, what's reproof? Checking yourself. Yeah. Correction. Checking yourself. Check yourself free. Wreck yourself. Well, reproof is before correction. So reproof is like prove, proof. You know, it gives. Uh, we we prove, reprove, we prove again something. It shows us what we did wrong, right? Could that be as iron sharpens iron? Well. Iron sharpeneth iron. Right. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah, in a matter of speaking, yes. Um, but iron iron sharpeneth iron is like a man with his friend, but it does refer to the Holy Spirit within those two people. Um, so reproof is, shows us what we did wrong. Correction, the third thing, is correction. And we know that God, we all, we all make we all make mistakes because we all sin, right? We all sin. And I'm sure we all sin every day. So we need reproof, don't we? We need to heed this warning. And that's why it says all Scripture is given by God by inspiration. To who? To the body of Christ. Yeah, to anyone that believes that's born again, right? For reproof, for correction, and for instructions in righteousness. So it shows you what you did wrong. It shows you how how God wants to correct it by the Word of God. And then it shows you how to keep going and keep it. Keep keep going down the, the right path, so to speak, right? And so that we may be perfect. 
And then early in Jehoiakim's reign, Jeremiah delivered his temple sermon in Jeremiah 7, 1 through 15, and then also in 26, 1 through 24. And in these two passages, he's denouncing the people for depending on the temple security instead of actually turning to God with their hearts. Now, that may be a little bit hard for us to understand because the temple back then was everything to people. I mean, to the Jews, right? The temple was everything. They swore by the temple. They went to the temple. They they did business in the temple. They went to the temple to actually see and hear the word of God. I mean, it was the center of their life and their culture, and everything was guided by it. But he was denouncing them for depending too much on the temple rather than depending on God. And it makes me think about, you know, us as Christians. I know, especially growing up when I was younger, I mean, you hear people all the time say, you know, my church teaches this or my pastor, and they put their faith sometimes in their pastor more than they put their faith in Jesus Christ or I'm a Baptist or you know taking pride in certain things about the church more so than Christ which is the husband of the church right so right mine too so um, the temple you know um he predicted that God would destroy the temple if they didn't repent of this. And for this, he was arrested. And Jeremiah continually denounced Jehoiakim for his self selfishness, materialism, and his injustice. Sounds a lot like sounds a lot like uh, the day and age, America, where, where we live in right now. It's nothing but those three things, right? Selfishness, materialism, and injustice. You know, and I'll close with this, but um, here in a minute, I guess we close it. 15 after? Yeah. Okay, I'll take a couple more minutes. But in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul dealt with many things that we're dealing with here in America. And Steve, Steve has decided to teach the book of Jeremiah because it has such a close resemblance to the day and age we live in. And, you know, Paul, another book that is really good about teaching people that were just steeped in selfishness and materialism and injustice was 1 Corinthians. I mean, it's a book of nothing but reproof and correction, right? So, yeah. so I think I think it's First Corinthians is reproof because they were messing a lot of things up because they had their focus in the wrong place. They had it in the temple, in their materialism, in their selfishness, and and it became their own demise and injustice, and it was injustice to God. So Paul's listing out all these things in 1 Corinthians, and he gets to chapter 6, and he's talking about this and talking about the temple. And in verses 19 and 20, does anyone want to read that? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Right. We're bought with a price. What, what, what was the price for your redemption? The blood of Christ, right? And, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people in materialism don't get. You're bought. Yeah, I mean, that's over. You don't own your own life. God owns you. Jesus owns you. And he owns me, right? 
I like that because it was a shock. I mean, the way Steve read that, you know, it's like, what? What are you talking about? You know, I mean, it was like a shock. Don't you even know that your body is a temple? We can't, we can't go around thinking like that. And I think the same message, I mean, here in America, I think we so closely resemble that Corinthian church. And hopefully hopefully here at HBF we're more of the second Corinthians, you know. Yeah. But we're definitely in the what they call the Laodicean church age. So the rights of the people. Everybody's got their own rights. So um so the Babylonians placed Zedekiah on the throne of Judah, and during this time Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon telling them that they would not be returning to their homeland uh, anytime soon and this was the thing when I, when I read about this especially in Jeremiah 29 it, it was like hey you're not going home anytime soon you know and it, and it felt like you know a long time but it was like God was saying hey take this time to take some reproof, take some correction, because God has to correct us all at times, doesn't He? And so just take the time and begin to get things in your life in order. And I want to close with this because that's what Jeremiah was telling him in chapter 29. And when I when I finally found this verse, I, I actually opened up the Bible... You know, God spoke that verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, to me, and I didn't even have a Bible. And it was several weeks later, I opened it up, and my, I, I, I lie to you not, I tell you the truth, my eyes fell, on, I opened the Bible, and my eyes fell on that verse. And I'm not saying this for dramatical, I mean, it fell right on that verse. First time, I op- just opened it up. And there it was, Jeremiah 29, 11. I read that. I mean, I just started crying, you know, because I knew it was God speaking to me before this. But now I'm like, okay, I wasn't just freaking out or, you know, hearing voices. It was a God voice. Yeah. In the right place at the right time. Right, right. But, but I went back and I and I read through through uh, Jeremiah 29 and he talks about he's like and he says thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel and to all that are carried away captives whom I have caused right God caused it I was looking at all the reasons and all the things and sometimes we do that we want to figure all this out but God just wants us to understand the problem so he can correct the problem so we can learn to trust in him and begin to seek him again with our whole heart because he said I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon and here's the thing we're in this we're in this COVID thing we're in whatever we're in you know we can become so uneasy about so many things in this materialistic society that we live in But God just wants us to build a relationship with him. Look what he says here in verse 5. He says, Build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant ye gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters and husbands that they may bear sons and and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Right? God wants to increase us right where we're at. You know? So if you're here today, I want you to take heart in some of the some of the words in this book as as we go through this and as Steve walks us through the book of Jeremiah. It's not a book of gloom and doom because we can see two paths right one path we go down can be very gloomy and doomy but God wants to put us on the path where no matter what we're going through 
we can like dig in and begin to plant and build houses by building that relationship with Jesus Christ and it will be okay right and not even not only will it be okay it'll be glorious we can have joy in it so um that's that's about all I got for today so um I was just wondering does somebody want to pray before we leave you want to pray Ed okay Father God we come to you as humbly as we know how and we just want to thank you for all your awesomeness all your all your glory all your mercy that you bestow upon us each and every day we thank you for all the things that you have done and all the things that you are doing and we want to thank you for the hope of all the things that you will do Father God we want to ask you to bless the service. We want to thank you for um, the um, um, oh, what are the guys that are being honored? The deacons. We want to thank you for the the deacons that have been elected. Thank um, you. I know uh, three of them, and I know that they're going to do a really good job. I just want to thank you for all the people in here also who I've come to know and love. In your blessed son's name, I want to pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you all. Have a good day. And remember, if you want to go out after church, we're going to meet right after service. So we'll go out. And Pam's got the maps all marked. And then we'll go out and have dinner. Let me do one thing. Okay. Hey, I wanted to announce real quick, uh, if you missed last week, um, I'm going to embarrass Pam and Emma a little bit. Uh, Got them right here. They are new members at HBF, so let's give them some love. That's Pam. Pam, you're on live right now. So, uh, anyway, I'll close out with that, but we love you guys. We're glad you're part of our group and uh, our church, and so welcome. That's it. All right. I better get finished now. Hey, Pat, can I come with you after church? Uh, yeah. I think so. Um, I need to let Jeff know. I might. Before I ask. I need to let Jeff know. Okay. Um, yeah, I might have Ryan Rinker and his three kids, so but we can probably get you a car. Steve, I hit finish. Steve going or he's going? No, but I'm sure we can finish it. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, anyway. I can take oh, that for you. Yeah, I, I pushed oh, is it? oh, I don't know. It's still got a light, so I don't know. Here you go, Pat. I'll get it. I'll get it, bro. I don't know what all it means. Yep. So, yeah, I just have to go back to that. It's stuck.